I'm Karen. And I'm Michelle. We're sisters. And homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast. Where we talk about family-style homeschooling. Hi, welcome to the podcast today. I am Karen, and I'm here with my sister, Michelle. Hi. Michelle, tell us what we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about teaching independence, and this is this is my area of expertise. You love independence. I pretty much insist on it. <laughs> you do. You do. And your boys are very independent because of it. Yeah. I'm, it's actually kind of part of my personality trait that I believe in people being competent and doing their own thing. <laughs> so it wasn't. this actually isn't hard for me because it's my nature. I think it partly stems from the fact that you are really introverted and you need your time and space. And so you've had to teach your kids, like, you go do your thing because I'm doing my thing. Yeah, that's part of it. And for sure. I mean, not that you guys don't have a ton of family time because you're a homeschool mom who's like 24 seven yeah. with your family. So, you know, you're always involved with them, but then you need your moments. So you've had to teach them like when to leave you alone. Yeah, I do. I, I'm like, <laughs> go away, leave me alone. <laughs> But they're good at it. And the thing is, I've watched your boys thrive with it. Well, here's the thing. When when they're young, when children are young and you're doing your parenting thing, you have no idea how it's going to come out, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, clueless. But, <laughs> you don't know. But now my kids, most of them are adults now or older teens. You know, they're all getting older. And so I'm at the point where I can watch the fruits of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm telling you, teaching them how to be competent and independent and being able to do things have skills and have confidence to do things and to learn new things on their own without needing you to hold their hand. It's important and it will pay off big time. Well, the cool thing is that it's actually helping them to grow into adulthood. You probably do it a little bit earlier than most parents. I, I'm sure I do. <laughs> but, but really you're giving them the skills and the confidence to be able to navigate life on their own. Like by the time your kids are older, they know they can do it because they've been doing it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we have had several situations where my kids have seen other peers that are their age or close to their age and been shocked that they didn't know how to do things. You know, <laughs> they're like, we've been doing that forever. <laughs> Why yeah. can't you? Yeah. yeah. My my son, he's the third, three of six. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to start numbering them instead of naming them. <laughs> anyway, he, he went down um, to be a raft guide for uh, actually two different summers, but this, this one summer he goes down and, and the raft guides sort of live rough. This is like whitewater rafting on yes, the river. Yes, whitewater yeah. rafting. And, and so they, they live rough, like they live on the river in tents and they go into town to use the laundromat and, you know, like they're, yeah. they're camping all summer on the riverbank, which I think is awesome. It was perfect <laughs> for him. But anyway, so these other kids, I'm going to call them kids. They're really adults. You know, they're 18, Young adults. 19, 20, yeah. yeah. They didn't know how to cook anything. I mean, they're, they're, there they are living on a riverbank. <laughs> and they're like, mom. They don't know how to cook anything. They don't know how to start a fire. They don't know what to do if they get a cut on their finger. They didn't know how to do laundry. They they knew nothing. Wow. Yeah. It It makes you realize we need to equip our kids to live their own lives, not live our lives. You know, you're not always going to be there doing the things for them. So... It really is valuable to teach them at least enough independence that they become confident and capable of managing their lives. Yeah. And, and, you know, my son was shocked because he didn't know anyone wouldn't know how to do that. He's like, Mom, I knew that by the time I was eight. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, it, I, I think... 
part of it is cultural, at least in the United States, this kind of babying of children well into young adulthood. And then part of it is that so many kids are so busy doing all their activities that they actually don't have time to yeah. do chores around the house. We tend to be very overscheduled. And, yeah, and that's too much. So I, I'm not sure exactly what's going on in other people's homes, but I mean... By the time my kids were 10, there's no way I was doing their laundry for them. You know, they can do it. Yeah. So, Michelle, how would you say you teach them, not those individual skills, but do you actually teach them independence? Do you talk to them about that? Or is it more like they just get it because I, you have expectations yeah, I, of them doing I things? I think it's more they just get it because you have expectations. It's it's more of a family culture that you're creating there than than an actual sit down and have a lesson about hey you need to be independent that doesn't work I don't think but did you like teach them to cook oh yeah yeah so so I teach them the individual skills I don't expect them to do something before they've been shown how to do it I mean there are some things you can learn just by doing obviously you know but then most things that are skill-based like cooking or even doing laundry I do pay for the washing machine and it is expensive, right? Yeah. So I don't want them throwing Legos and coins in it. So they are taught, you know, here's how you do it. You empty the pockets. This is the amount of detergent you use. You know, I, I go through the whole thing, but it's simple. You know, they can yeah. one or two lessons and they've learned how to do it. And then I never have to worry about it again. Yeah. Once they've learned, that's on them, right? Yeah, and I, I don't even tell them to go and do their laundry. I just say it's your job to do it whenever... You don't have enough clothes. And then you let the natural consequences fall. If you don't do your laundry, you don't have anything to wear. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what if they don't know how to do something? Like, do they figure it out? Or do you just like, I I guess, do you have any methodical sort of, I'm going to teach them these skills? Or is it just kind of life? It happens in the natural course of family life. But, but... Certain things like, here, here's one of the things I think is difficult for a lot of parents. It is easier just to do it than to teach them to do it. It yeah. takes less time. It's a lot less stressful. And it's done better. And it's done better. It's done quicker. You know, everything about it is better if you just do it versus if you have the child do it. Yeah. But from the time that they were little, I had them do things at my side so that they would learn because I knew the end result I wanted and I wanted the end result before they were 12. You know, I didn't want to be waiting hand and foot on teenagers. That's, I was like, I want to retire at some point from this job. And the earlier, the better. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, though. I think that is actually a trap that parents fall into is either they're so perfectionist that they can't handle the subpar job that happens when their kids do it, or they just know I've got to get this done. I'm busy. And so they just do it because they're faster and they do it better than their kids. Yeah. But then you'll always be doing it for your kids yes. instead of, you know, eventually it's way easier if they do it for themselves completely and you don't have it on your plate. Yeah. Well, I mean, Karen, you've talked a lot about having a kid by your side. Yeah. I believe in that. Work, so I don't think I do any chores without having a kid doing it with me, partly because I want to train them and partly because I want them to appreciate me. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds horrible maybe, but it's true. No, like, I agree. I am not the servant of this household. We I are agree. a family and we that, all work together. I actually find that really offensive that moms are expected to be basically the servant. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that's that's not okay with me. I'm not your servant. I mean, when, when they're a baby, obviously you're pretty much their servant, but you should be teaching them. They're part of the family. They do part of the work. They make the messes. They clean them up. You know, that's yeah how it works. My kids started setting the table when they were toddlers. And yeah, I went with the super cheap plastic Ikea plate so that if they dropped them, we were good, you know? Yeah. But I wanted them to learn that. So I'm cooking dinner and you're setting the table. 
and it was not a pretty table. You know, it was <laughs> it was not the way that I would do it at all. But little by little, I taught them, you know, where the plates go and what way the silverware goes together and to put a napkin on each plate. And they learned it. I didn't expect it to be perfect from the beginning, but I did expect them to work from the beginning. And we're all working together as a family. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that there should ever be a moment where some people are sitting on the couch watching while mom is working. Like, no. That's just not how no. family is. That's not how it should work. But, you know, I was thinking, if you bake cookies with small children, they love doing it, first of all. Yeah. It is more work than if you just do it yourself. It takes longer. It's way messier. There's yeah. no question about that. <laughs> but they learn how to measure. They learn how to read recipes. They learn the amount of work that's involved in it, and they appreciate it more, I think. Yeah, and it's... You know, I can just picture a kid going, mom, will you bake me some cookies versus let's make it together? Like it's a whole different experience along the way, even though it is harder for yeah. mom. It's also become a family experience, a learning tool, a, a whole family activity is teaching them things that are beyond measuring even. Yeah, you know? but I'll tell you what the end point is. The end point is that now I have a 14-year-old who just goes in the kitchen and makes cookies and makes I'm them, sitting there on the couch. makes them for you. <laughs> But the truth is, there's also never a moment as a mom that I do just sit on the couch and watch my kids. Like, I I wish, but actually I'm like, oh, yeah. I need to go work. I need that, to go. That's true, but I can be doing other things. Yeah. And and instead of one person running the household, the whole family is running the household. Yeah. And everyone can do everything. That's one of the things that I really believe in, Michelle. I don't have one kid always do one chore because I want them all to know how to do all of the chores. So we like rotate around. Mm-hmm. We you know, assign different things at different times. I can't imagine all of my kids not knowing how to go take care of our chickens. Like they all know how to go feed them, water them, collect the eggs, clean out the coop. It's something we do every single day. I could ask anyone at any time to go do it and it will happen. If I only had one kid that knew how to do it, like that's your job, then it would end up, you know, landing on me every time that kid was busy. So I teach all of them to do all of the things. A lot of people want to know, like, what's age appropriate, you know? And to me, that's that's the art part of parenting. It depends on the kid. It really does. And and it depends on your level of comfort. I personally had three-year-olds with sharp knives in the kitchen cutting things because I, I taught them how to do it. I taught them, okay, you lay your hand flat on top of the knot on the dull side of the blade and your other hand is clutching the the handle and you you don't ever let your fingers get under the blade no I, I taught them it step by step and then I watched them do it and then I just let them do it three is way way younger than most people would ever consider that most people won't let their kids touch a sharp knife till they're 10 or older but I find that they can actually do it and I'll tell you what else they don't play with dangerous things if they've already been taught to use them right it's not a toy. It's and it's not a temptation, and it's not a forbidden item. It's a chore. It's a chore. <laughs> no, that's true. I, my, we we heat with wood at our house. Okay, so my kids, from the time they were extremely small, like maybe five years old at the at the oldest, were taught to lay a fire and start the fire. How often do you think they went and played with fire? Never. Yeah. Because it was a chore. It's a chore. It's not, <laughs> yeah. But they are capable, and your kids are also capable of understanding fire. Like they've learned the danger of it. They've learned yes what to do if something goes awry. They have a lot of they experience, have experience with in it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's not a toy, it's a tool and they're equipped to handle it. Yeah. But I think another difficult thing is 
when children are young, usually the consequences of messing up are fairly small. If you don't have clean clothes to go someplace, that's a small consequence, right? Yeah. But when they get older, especially teenagers, the consequences can get much steeper. You know, there are two families that I know really well. These are two moms of teenage girls, just like I was, you know, so we're all in it together. And it was really, really interesting as I watched how these two moms handled the same situation that came up. So within a couple weeks of each other, both of these teenage girls got speeding tickets in, you know, in our town in the same little area. And the first mom, her daughter came home, got the speeding ticket. She immediately went to work. Like the mom was like, okay, I have a lawyer friend. We're going to call. We're going to see how you can get out of this. You know, she went through all of the steps. They ended up getting the ticket dismissed. It was a lot of work for the mom and the girl did nothing. Okay. The girl just handed the mom the speeding ticket and said, mom, I got a speeding ticket. And then the mom basically went through all of the steps for her. And I'm not sure if it was dismissed or reduced, but they did kind of take care of the ticket. The other mom, her daughter came home, mom, I got a speeding ticket. And the mom said, Oh, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. And then the, the girl was like, well, I, I don't know. What am I supposed to do? And she said, well, you better read that ticket carefully and see what it says. And it <laughs> yeah. explained on it, you know, you can pay it up front or you can go and, you challenge know, you stand it. before a judge and challenge it. You know, she had paperwork to do and everything. And this girl went through the process and she did it. She challenged the ticket. It was partially reduced and she learned a lot. The, she, she's... A grown-up. She behaved like a grown-up. Yeah. Within a few weeks, the first one whose mom, you know, took care of everything, got another speeding ticket. And I'm not saying that's 100% always going to happen, but she hadn't learned. She didn't know how to handle it. She didn't learn any consequences. There were no consequences. So it doesn't matter if she speeds because mommy and daddy are going to just take care of it. Yeah. And and that same thing applies no matter what we do in our lives. If mom and dad just do everything, take care of everything, manage everything – the kid never learns to be independent or mature or responsible. And I think that's really, even for me, even for the independence mom, I think it's really, really hard to watch your kids struggle and maybe mess up. And, you know, some of the consequences can be steep. Even a speeding ticket isn't that big of a deal. No. But speeding and like if the if the girl keeps speeding and she ends up hitting someone or killing someone, I mean, imagine. It can potentially be a very big deal. Yeah. So, so the older kids get, the steeper the consequences get. And the, the consequences in adulthood, or even once you're 16 and have a driver's license, can be really, really steep. So the earlier you're teaching them this is your job to figure it out, the better off they are. Yeah. But it's hard to watch them go through pain, even if it's a small amount of pain. Yeah, and I, I think those are the hardest situations where we go, oh, but I could do better and prevent them from the pain. Yeah. But often the pain is exactly what they need to grow up. Yeah, it's really be... hard. I mean, it's hard to watch a child failing in school. It's hard to watch them messing up a friendship. It's hard to watch them, you know, experimenting with drugs. I don't know. You know, kids do all kinds of things. But sometimes you have to let them. Well, and the tough thing is that every single situation is really different. And we can't sit here and say, I mean, we would never sit here and say, hey, you shouldn't do anything as a parent. Just let your kid, let let the chips fall. Yeah. That's not what teaching independence is. There's still an element of teaching that happens. You talk to them about it. Even that mom who made the 
girl be responsible for the speeding ticket, she still talked to her about it. The difference was instead of telling her what to do, she asked her guiding questions. No. Yeah. Hey, what do you think you need to do? Did you read the ticket? Mm -hmm. Did you look at the instructions? Did you, you know, you still teach, but you're not just going to take care of everything. You're going to teach. Mm -hmm. It, It is hard though to watch them struggle, I think. So Michelle, what do you think that looks like in, you know, specifically your homeschool? Okay, so if we're talking about school. Yeah, I mean, like, we we sit here every day and tell people about family school. That's kind of the opposite of independence in a way. Yeah. This is, you know, we're collectively <laughs> learning. We're all together. So where does the independence come? Yeah, I actually think that homeschooled kids, okay, they, they do better academically on average than kids who go to other schooling environments. However, I think a lot of times they don't necessarily know how to get a paper in on time. Or they don't know how to deal with if they're getting bad grades on tests because that's not so much part of the homeschooling experience. Yeah, we don't exactly have due dates and all so, of that as yeah. strictly. And, and, and so maybe artificially, but in high school, it's a good idea to do have firm dates and do give them grades and do have them fail something, you know, so that they can experience that. But mostly... I would say it's just that you expect them to be doing what you told them to do while you told them to do it. So in other words, if they have independent reading time, they had better be reading during that time. And if they aren't reading during that time, you have to have some kind of an established consequence. Yeah, I think one of the things that we make a mistake at is we we mentioned that we're overscheduled people. Yeah. We tend to almost honor those obligations to the point that... Like, for example, if a kid has swim team, we're going to make sure they're at swim team, even if they didn't get their schoolwork done. I think that's kind of a mistake. Yeah. I would tell my kids, look, at the end of the day, you have to have your work done before we can go do X, Y, Z. And then you have to be prepared as a parent to actually not go to the swim team or go to the to the practice. Or yeah. And it it's hard. Yeah. It's it really hard because you feel like it's a reflection on you. Yeah, there's that. And also you paid for it. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. And especially with team things, which a lot of them are team or group activities, you feel like you're letting everyone down, not just yeah. your kid. But it, your kid should be the one that's feeling that. Like you should be putting that emotion on them instead of them putting it on you, I think. Yeah. Or at least, let I don't know, them, let, let them. them. I don't think yeah. we can put it on right, them necessarily, right. but, but, but yeah, let them. We, we take the emotional burden away from people too. I think that's a mistake that parents make a lot with their kids. They take away the emotional burden. They say, oh, sweetheart, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. And and when you say don't worry about it, you mean I'm going to worry about it for you. Yeah. So you don't need to worry. Yeah. yeah. You don't need to feel guilt over this. It's my responsibility. And and they should be feeling guilty if they have messed up and made other people you know, have a, a worse experience or suffer in some way. Yeah. I think a huge part of it for me is I have to prepare myself for those consequences because they are my consequences too. You know, yeah. what my kid does does affect me. And so I have to, ahead of time, mentally just prepare myself like, hey, it is not going to be the end of the world if we don't go to swim team today. This is the lesson that needs to happen. And if I'm consistent, it probably won't have to happen more than once or twice. Yeah. You do have to be aware, though, that sometimes you're asking your kids to do more than they're actually capable of. And like that, that's a pitfall, too. Like if you tell them you have 45 minutes to get the math lesson done and if you don't get it done, then there's such and such consequence maybe 45 minutes actually isn't enough for that child. Like you have to be aware of that as well. You know, one of the things that I've learned to do is when I sit and do the assignment with my kids, like say they're doing a little writing assignment or, you know, just filling out a printable worksheet or something like that. 
when I sit down and do it, I'm like, oh, it actually takes longer than I thought. Well, and, and that's even me. Yeah. And, and whatever time it takes you, you need to add on because they're young and learning and they don't have the stamina, the skills or the they're not thinking as fast as you because you're used to it. Like, but it's kind of like watching a pot of water boil. Like it, when you're watching it, it feels like it's taking forever. Right. When I'm watching my kids do their schoolwork, I'm like, why aren't you done already? You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there and watching is the worst. Yeah. If I'm sitting there and watching, I just say, I'm going to do it too. Well, and and the same thing is true of other things you ask your kids to do. If you have a young one that's learning to tie their shoes, plan for at least 10 minutes for them to actually tie their shoes. Don't expect them to have it done in the Yeah, put your shoes on, go out to the car. That's not going to happen. Yeah, you need to say, you've got, you know, like tell them, okay, it's time to get your shoes on right now. And you know in your mind you've got another 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So you actually have to leave. But they need that much time to get their shoes tied. I honestly think that the key to that is not overscheduling. When we're super overscheduled, we have to meet our obligations and be in a hurry and, you know, life gets crazy and you have these crazy expectations of your kids that they can't meet and you get frustrated and it just doesn't work. But if you are allowing yourself the right amount of time in your life, it makes it easier to have the natural consequences happen. They have time to get it done. You have the ability to have expectations that can be met instead of always rushing around, I guess. Yeah. So let's talk about consequences because in some situations there really are natural consequences. If this doesn't have, if, you know, if A doesn't happen, then B can't happen. If you don't get your work done before lunch, you don't get lunch. You know, like that's a fairly natural consequence. But then a lot of consequences are actually imposed by parents. But I think they still count as natural consequences because the child knew ahead of time what was coming. As long as you establish the expectation so they know, hey, if this, then this, Yeah. then it's still a natural consequence. You know, they were informed. Yeah. You let them know. The problem is, though, that if you don't then follow through with it, all of a sudden it's arbitrary. It's not a natural consequence anymore. You've wrecked your whole system. So you have to Yeah, then through. it's just mom being mean so to me. So you really, you really need to think it through before you impose the consequence. Don't do it in the heat of the moment because remember, whatever consequence you impose is going to affect you too. And so you need to be sure that you're okay with it. You know, do you, can, can you as the parent actually miss that meeting because your child is no longer allowed to go? You know, like you have to think it have through. Have to think through. Yeah. I think for me, it's really important with their schoolwork consequences that I'm really consistent with it because let's get real. We're stressed yeah. <laughs> a lot of times. I mean, yeah. homeschool parents are on all the time. And so you kind of need to not be deciding on new consequences every single day. That's just yeah. exhausting. Yeah. So instead it needs to be an established thing. I mean, there will be times when you have to be specific about certain things, but for the most part, like if our schoolwork doesn't get done, then we don't get to do our afternoon activities. That's just something that exists yeah. in my family. Well, I know that you, you even have, okay. So Karen, you guys often play games at lunch and your one of your consequences is if you don't get your seat work done, like these certain assignments done before lunch, then we won't have time for games. Yeah. You still eat lunch, we eat but lunch, the games are gone. But we don't have games because we love to spend, you know, an hour eating lunch and playing board games together. But if they didn't get their stuff done, the natural consequence is we're going to eat lunch. Then you have to hurry back and finish yeah. because you didn't finish the math. Yeah. Because there wasn't time. Yeah. And and it's not that I'm being mean. It's that, oh, we actually don't yeah. have time now. And and that's that's a natural consequence, but it's also imposed by you. Like you, and, and you've done it in a way where nobody is actually 
missing out anything essential, but they're missing out on the fun. And so it's, yeah. it's almost a positive consequence if they do get it done, you know, like there's a reward. Yeah. And that's, that's really how it's considered. And in my family, I don't have it be an individual thing like, oh, so-and-so didn't get their math done, but so-and-so did. If we don't all get it done, we don't play games. Everybody goes yeah. back to school. And Does that's, that create conflict with your kids at all? It doesn't. I mean, it could have, but I don't lay blame on specific people. I don't do the whole finger pointing thing. You're not like, oh, well, because she didn't get it done. None of you get it. You don't. Yeah, I I don't do that. I just don't believe in it. But I do believe in teaching my family. Hey, we're a family unit. Let's. Yeah. Let's all pull together so that we can all have fun together. And so it kind of depends on how you present it. Don't you think that the consequences depend on the kids sometimes? I mean, for some kids, if you're like, well, if you don't get this done on time then you have to stay home from the activity and they're like yes yeah (laughs) so don't you think it depends on the kid you do have to figure out what their currency is because yeah some of them that would be like the greatest gift ever yeah I don't don't have to go awesome I I have I have one he's he's a well a lot of my children are really introverted but but if you took is really if you took him and said you're not gaming yeah, or yeah, or you know, or something else. something else. You can't use the power tools for a week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would do I mean, it. <laughs> you you have to figure out what their currency yeah. is and use that. Yeah. But but really, the natural consequences part of it often for us is the time. Like if you take too much time, because essentially what you're saying is you didn't get it done. Yeah. I'm expecting you to get it done, so it's only a matter of time. You're going to get yeah. it done. Yeah. yeah. But when will you get it when done? So get it done? timing becomes the issue. And then I take away whatever fun time that kid has. Yeah. Because so, it is going to get applied to what they ha- were supposed to do. So the independence part of that is that you're expecting them to work on their own to get whatever their assignment was. Yeah. Like, for example, during reading time, I don't know. I, I just do it by time. But let's say that you wanted to get them them through three chapters you have to read three chapters before you can do the next thing right yeah so then if they dawdle and mess around or they don't read then whatever their fun part of the day was you know whatever their currency is how they would spend their free time that becomes well and that's also teaching them to independently plan their time as well as independently do things right like Yeah, they're responsible. You're basically instilling responsibility and And saying, this is on you. And the planner is the you use as part of that too. Like they they have to plan their own time in their planner, their homeschool planner. Yeah, my kids have a checklist. It doesn't have to go in order, but they have to accomplish it all. Yeah, and so they're managing their time independently and they're managing their work ethic independently and they're doing their work independently. I think for me, one of the main things that I have to do that's an added responsibility for me is that I have to check on them. Yeah. Like we talk about independence. In a way, they're being independent. In a way, I'm checking up even more. Like I'm expecting them to do it, but they have to be accountable to someone. It's not different than real life. You're accountable to your boss. You're accountable to... The government, if the you people, don't pay your taxes. I was <laughs> yes. going to say the people who are collecting your bills. You yeah, know, like yeah. we are all accountable to other people. You are the accountability check for your kids. So even when they're independent, like even your kids who are capable of doing all of those chores, Michelle, yeah. you still have to be the person who checks yeah. in. And Well, and 
for chores, as far as chores go, if they didn't clean the bathroom very well, like I walk in and I go, yeah, no, that's not, do it again. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I do. Not acceptable. And you then didn't I, and do then, it enough. <laughs> and then I say, come back and tell me when you're done. And then when they're, they do, I go in and check it again. Okay. Now you're done. You know, or nope, you still didn't clean the toilet. How come yeah, you didn't, you know. Independence okay. does not mean lack of accountability. Yeah. If anything, I feel like that is where my role has shifted. Like, no, I'm not unloading the dishwasher, but I am checking to make sure that the dishwasher got unloaded. Yeah. You know? I think it it translates into adult life. Like, if you didn't ever unload the dishwasher in adult life, you have dishes eventually piling up everywhere and you have to live in a mess and chaos and you never have clean dishes and your life becomes harder, right? That's the yeah. natural consequence in adult life. In a child's life, you, you can impose, you can make them do it, but they have to, like it takes them twice as long if they dawdle or if they... Yeah, it has to cost them something. It has something. to cost them something. Yeah. But yeah, there, there's, there's a, there are consequences in adult life and there are adult consequences in child life, but they're not always exactly the same because the child is in training. Yeah. When my kids do chores or when they do school assignments or, you know, any of their things that are their responsibility, afterwards I ask them to show me. Show me what you did. Tell me what you did. You know, I'm asking them to be accountable and we talk through it. I don't run around saying, not good enough. No, no, no. <laughs> Instead, I have them show me and then they get to hopefully take pride in their work and hopefully I get to compliment and praise them if they didn't do it well enough. Then I go through, oh, we need to do this. We didn't yeah. get this done. Well, and it depends on how old they are. I mean, if they're if they're 16 and they didn't bother with the bathroom and you know perfectly well they know how to do it, you don't have to go walk back through it. You just <laughs> yeah. can say, go back and do it. But, you know, if they're eight and you're like, did you, did you forget the bathtub? You know, and they're like, oh, yeah. I will say, Michelle, it's way <laughs> harder if you haven't been doing this to start with a 16-year-old. Oh, yeah. It's way easier to start when they're young. I think that's true of anything. Yeah. Because you're talking about training someone. And the younger they are, the more malleable they are. Well, And you training. have less expectations naturally. You know, they build yeah. up little by little as the kid becomes more capable. Yeah. And when they're 16, you're like, no, you should be capable of this. But if you haven't actually taught them along the way... They might not be. They might not be. Yeah. I mean, even so, if but, they're physically capable and mentally capable of doing it... They're not trained. Yes. But even if you have a teenager, you can still start. Oh, it's better than not them. starting. It's better, yeah, it's better than not starting. And yeah, they can definitely be taught to do it. And, and they learn faster than the eight-year-old. Oh, yeah. But the, the, you might the, have the, more the, attitude. Yeah, that's the problem is you're going to have more resistance and attitude from an older child than if you were training them from the time they were a toddler. Yeah. You know, the older they get, the more attitude you're going to the more resistance you're going to get back from them. But that's the kind of thing where consistency is especially important. Like you cannot let up on it. it and it's hard because you're the parent. You got to be the one pushing the whole thing. You know, when I think of our family life, I don't see a huge divide in the way that I teach independence, for example, in chores versus in our homeschool. No. It's really exactly the same. I have clear expectations. I have walked them through the process so they know how to do it well. And then they already know what the consequence will be if they don't follow through. And then, you know, I make sure to do the accountability part where I'm checking on them. Little by little, they just kind of grow into that independence in every aspect of our lives, no matter if it's their schoolwork or their chores or anything else. It just kind of naturally they become more independent and more capable. Yeah. And especially when they're first learning a skill, I think you have to realize 
it's not going to look the way that it would look if you did it. For example, if you're asking them to get themselves dressed, there's a a really high probability that they're going to have something on inside out and backwards. And okay. <laughs> why is it, it more often than 50% of the time? That's, <laughs> I don't know. Probability <laughs> says. I know. Hey, the, the shoes, shoes always. are always on the wrong foot. <laughs> uh, 100%. Right? Yes. And like how? Probability does that. Ah, it, the laws of the universe have failed us. Yeah. <laughs> You know how you do all the math probability games and they always turn out 50-50, except when it comes to clothing. I know. No, they're always wrong if it's clothing. <laughs> but I, I have grandkids now. Oh my gosh. Anyway, I have grandkids. And when they come over to stay, they can all dress themselves. But the two youngest are definitely imperfect in that. <laughs> but I just let it go. I'm like, I don't care. I am not ashamed to walk into the store with a child who's wearing a shirt with the tag hanging in front of his chin. I don't care. <laughs> See, that is where I drew my line. This is where you and I are different. I was like, in the house, I'll let it fall. Like, fine. But when we go somewhere, I would say, come here, guys, I'm going to come and do an inspection. <laughs> you know? Well, and you can't like, do that. Like, your yeah. shirt, you know. I tell them, like, for certain things, we look a certain way like we hey, present I never let my kids wear their holy we call them farm clothes even though we don't have a farm <laughs> but we think they're not allowed to wear their holy jeans to town but other than that <laughs> we have standards <laughs> and the, the mud boots in the summer I'm like no no mud boots in the summer see this is what happens when you live in the country like on acreage like you and I do Michelle yeah. you have to have two wardrobes but you your, kid, your kids tend to like the more everyday they want to wear the grubby clothes yeah but that's what we if we wore our nice clothes in the barn, that would be a yeah, mistake. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we call them town clothes and farm clothes. <laughs> <laughs> you got to dress up, and dressing up means like jeans and a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's clean and has no holes. <laughs> yeah. But that is something that happens with homeschool. We're very used to being comfortable, and you know, you might have an expectation that your kids, hey, for soccer, you have to wear your tennis shoes. It might be as simple as that, but they can learn all of those things as long as you have laid it out then left the responsibility on them and then made sure that the consequences yeah. actually happen. Well, I, I'm not a morning person. So one of my early things with my children was get your own breakfast, right? <laughs> so when, when a three-year-old is pouring his milk, it's going to spill, right? <laughs> when, when they're Oops. learning how to do it, yeah. you can't care about that. It's like, move on. The whole gallon of milk is like, what, three, four bucks? Move on. <laughs> Don't cry over spilled milk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just, you you can't expect perfection when they're learning how to do things and you need to let it go. You need to not get angry when they mess up because that's a really good way to shut them down and have them never want to try again. Have I ever told you, Michelle, about the, when my kids brought me cereal breakfast in bed? Oh, I bet it was tasty. Instead of milk, they put water in it. Oh, no. And they were little and they didn't know. They yeah. were doing their best, you know. <laughs> And I smiled and I ate my cereal with water. <laughs> they were so proud of themselves. And then I made sure to teach them. Yeah. Not that moment, but, you know, the next day or Yeah, something. like next time we have cereal. Hey, guys. This is milk. This is water. <laughs> but, I mean, they were tiny toddlers and they were being so sweet. Yeah. But, yeah, sometimes you have to have timing about teaching, too, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, that was not good. Not good cereal. But you didn't scold them. I didn't scold you them. You didn't tell was... them, this is yucky, I'm rejecting it. Like... They were being super sweet. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Besides, I'll tell you what. It's true that their early breakfast in bed efforts are usually not great. But I get breakfast in bed on Mother's Day. That's the only day. The rest of the time, I do not. It's, it's more like, don't 
Don't wake me, me up. Don't wake me up. But on Mother's Day, I get breakfast in bed, and they make me like things like waffles and you know scrambled eggs and like they've got the whole thing. They can make it all. Hash They can make it all, and it's all from scratch. And they know how to cook. And they do this because I allowed them when they were toddlers to pour their own milk. Like it's a whole progression. Yeah. That ends up with success. And just like you have to be okay with the tags on the outside when they wear their clothes inside out you have to be okay with the water in the cereal like you have to be okay with the mistakes if you're really going to have them be responsible because the mistakes are going to happen well and the same is true like when they're learning handwriting do you really expect it to be perfect i I expect it to be by the time they're maybe eight i expect it to be legible but (laughs) well and and the point is that you expect progress yeah yeah you expect progress not perfection i wish we were more focused on progress instead of perfection all the time we kind of tend to have our line at, oh, you're not good enough. Keep going until you're perfect. And instead it should be, hey, you're getting better and better and better. Well, I made that mistake in especially teaching writing. I felt like maybe it was my perception from when I was in school, but I felt like the things that got corrected in my papers were the misspelling and the, the punctuation that was mistakes. You know, and mm-hmm. that was that was what got corrected. It was the errors. So it was the errors. So that was the only thing on my kids' writing that I would ever correct. And they they felt like I can never do it good enough. Nothing I do is good enough. Like there was, I guess there was no praise essentially. And then, you know, your writing system taught me to do it better. Check out Writer's Workshop. <laughs> writer's Workshop but, helps with that. It really <laughs> does. It really does. But the, because Writer's Workshop focuses on the process and the and the progress instead of on the perfection. Yeah. And that was a big mistake I made in teaching my kids writing in my early years of homeschooling because I didn't, I didn't know better. So if you as a parent are messing up or have messed up, it's okay. You're learning too. You're yeah. in the process. Nobody is, no, when your baby is born, you haven't got any idea how to be a parent. <laughs> you were all starting. And if you think scratch. you do, you're, you're like even behind people who think they don't. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's true. We're all a work in progress. I think it can kind of give kids a complex almost if you're constantly just criticizing and expecting perfection. But if you can stop instead and teach them progress and teach them to be independent, that's actually where they start to gain confidence. Yeah. And I think biggest ways to teach independence is, first of all, teach them how to do it, then let them do it, and then don't expect it to be perfect. And then, of course, consequences for when there's a mistake. I guess maybe not a mistake. That's not the right word. Consequences for when there's... When they, when they, there's a failure to even, you know, to make the attempt or to do it right, or they want to put it on you or, you know. You know, Michelle, you were talking about the games like that we play at lunchtime. Mm -hmm. Let's say that one of my kids got to their math lesson and just struggled like crazy and just could not figure it out. They were working the whole time. I saw that they were dedicated and devoted. it was difficult. But they weren't getting it. It just wasn't, wasn't happening. That's not a moment when I would say, you're not playing games. Yeah. Because they were doing the work. And you're there, you know. Well, yeah. And we have math lessons that are two or three days on a single lesson because it's a difficult concept. Or we've even had them where I say, okay, we're going to move on and we'll come back to that next week. And then it goes in our planner. Next week, we're going back to lesson 36 because he didn't get it. Exactly. So I think there's a difference between, you know, having consequences that are based on performance versus consequences that are based on effort. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's a difference between 
digging in your heels and refusing to do something and not being able to. Right. You know. As long as my kids are working towards that progress, I don't need to focus on perfection. I'm yeah. seeing progress. Most of this just happens in the course of daily life. It's not something you have to plan out. You know, I didn't, I didn't sit there and go, well, this week I'm going to teach my child how to use a knife. It was just when I was cooking one day and they were sitting there at the counter, there's a knife and there's something to chop. And I said, Hey, do you want to learn how to cut up the hot dogs? And they did, mm -hmm. you know, that's all. So Michelle, before we end, tell me what is the very, very best part about having independent kids now that your kids are there? Not having to do things for them. They can do it. You know, like you can just go cook your own lunch. Well, <laughs> I've kind of loved that now my kids that are grown up, they've become my friends. Yeah. Instead of true. my kids. Yeah. Because they're confident and capable and mature. Yeah. And like if that's what I get from having them set the table badly when they're two, I'll, I'll do yeah. it all over again. Yeah, they're not living in your basement. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's something that comes full circle and is a huge advantage to them and to you both when they really can become independent. But it's something that you work at every single day of their lives. It's an ongoing lesson. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating wherever you listen. Ratings and comments help people find happy family-style homeschooling. Visit us at layersoflearning.com, at Instagram, and on our Facebook group. And make sure to tune in next month for the next podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have fun learning! learning.